Well, every blessing to you all and welcome back to my open air pulpit. Our second lockdown has finally been lifted. Praise the Lord for that. Every day that Britain has been closed has cost 900 million pounds a day, would you believe? And of course, this lockdown has been put in place to protect that 1% that may perhaps go on to contract COVID and may perhaps go on to be hospitalized and may perhaps go on to die. And yet, while the government is bending over backwards to protect that 1%, people are still having abortions each and every day. No mercy for the unborn, of course. On top of that, the vaccines are about to be rolled out this month. A lot of governments around the world are very keen to push the vaccine. It looks like in the UK it will not, it, uh, will not be mandatory, but maybe down the line they may have to change their minds. I'm still waiting to see the Prime Minister and his girlfriend publicly take the jab and uh, Prince William and uh, Catherine publicly take the jab and uh, Harry and uh, Meghan publicly take the jab and the Trumps as they leave the White House and the Obamas as they enter the White House publicly take the jab for weeks and months now they've been pushing hard for all of us to take the jab they've got great confidence in this jab let's see if they want to lead by example but in the midst of all this chaos and catastrophe and here we are December 2020 doesn't feel like December people are still being born people are still dying the gospel still must be preached and proclaimed because on top of the deaths each and every day on average 300 every day uh, since the second wave hit the UK on top of 300 people dying every day in the UK you've still got people dying of cancer diabetes Alzheimer's heart attacks this and that people are still dying and of course if you die without Christ you go to hell forever so it has to be a continuation as far as we are concerned to get the gospel out and we've been very busy over the last five weeks we've been doing a lot of live streams and our last live stream was on Muhammad and Allah and of course surprise surprise YouTube have buried it Facebook have censored it so if you haven't seen it watch it because at every chance it may be taken down but in spite of the censorship on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and yes maybe one day we will come off such platforms and uh, have to revisit where we go and what we do but in spite of all that censorship you can't say this you can't say that the ministry continues to uh, continues to push on and this Sunday by the grace of God I will be recording uh, Psalm 15 it's been a great blessing over the last 20 weeks or thereabouts and by the grace of God I have been able to record over 19 hours of material we're the only people on the face of the earth those of us which are born again who have a sure and firm foundation we know where we are going when we die nobody else knows where they are going when they die and I think we have something to really uh, preach about so for this morning early December morning very crisp sunny morning but it's a nice morning it was pretty rough yesterday impossible to film yesterday but today blue skies <laughs> crisp about four degrees Celsius with a slight wind chill uh, coming to my right it's about probably two degrees Celsius I thought I would come up to the pulpit this morning for the first time in maybe seven weeks and continue Bible studies we have enjoyed greatly the live streams we've had some technical problems obviously uh, but the word of God goes out and God's word never returns void on top of doing the live streams we still do, we still do tracks each and every day and of course we have our Sunday service which you're always welcome to join us uh, which is a 11 a.m. 11 a.m. UK time well for this morning I want to look at Acts chapter 10 and I want to call this message eternal tears eternal tears Revelation speaks about how one day the Lord will wipe away every tear but of course that doesn't take place until eternity begins as of right now people are still suffering not just with COVID but with loneliness depression anxiety unsure of their salvation but this message this morning is really going to be aimed at those who are very very religious near the kingdom of God and the Lord will say to several people back in the Gospels you are not far from the kingdom of God but you're not quite there yet and I hope this message will push those who are very religious to make the next step let's start if we may in Acts chapter 10 
Acts chapter 10, look at verse 1 if you will. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band, called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. This man is remarkable. You've got two guys in scripture, a guy called Joseph of Arimathea, he's called a good man and a just. You've got Barnabas, who's called a good man and full of the Holy Ghost, and it's always nice when scripture speaks highly of such people. For the most part, when scripture speaks about people, it's a negative connotation. Uh, Job was a righteous man internally, but he's also self-righteous. And that's one of the reasons why the Lord allowed the devil to almost destroy him. The Apostle Paul was internally and externally righteous. And yet, in spite of that, the Lord allowed the devil to work over Paul as well. Job was self-righteous, Paul wasn't. Two saved men, two different dispensations, both being uh, worked over by the devil for different purposes, of course. But it says here how there was a centurion called Cornelius in Caesarea, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He's a Roman. He's a centurion. And of course, you have the, uh, the centurion who would oversee the crucifixion of Christ. And back in Roman times, if you were a centurion, you had about 80 men under your authority. I guess for today, we would say a captain in the army would have around 80 to 100 men under his or her authority. Uh, the armed forces now have women in uh, positions of leadership, but historically speaking, it would be a man <coughs> who would be the captain over his uh, men. And that was quite a responsibility back in Roman times and also for today. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. It's always wonderful when people's names are written in scripture. Never in a million years would uh, Cornelius think that one day his name would go into the greatest book of all time, the most sold book of all time, still the number one seller uh, in the entire world. And of course, the King James still outsells all the other so-called translations and to have his name in scripture is wonderful unlike judas who will be for, uh, who will uh, forever be known as an infamy an infamous character full of infamy uh, cornelius is a flip side to the coin he's a good man a devout man verse two and one that feared god with all his house he's remarkable which gave much arms to the people he's generous as well and prayed to god always like in every possible sense all of the time he's remarkable before I was saved, I knew a guy called Cornelius. In fact, we knew a guy called Cornelius. And when I say we, I mean the entire church that I used to go to. He was a Irish Catholic, of course, and uh, he was an alcoholic, notorious alcoholic. And every day he'd go down to the local hospital and the priests got fed up with him going to the presbytery all the time. Knock, 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 any money, Father? <laughs> and turning up at mass, heavily intoxicated. And of course, these Irish drunks can get very loud, very boisterous. And he'd go down to a local hospital every night. He was a real nuisance. And of course, his name was Cornelius. And uh, it got so bad one night that the nurses at the local hospital put a whiteboard up. And they said, Cornelius, stay away, <laughs> go away. He was a real nuisance. But he is a guy who would go down in history, I suppose, as being uh, just one of many people. Would die a drunk. He's probably in hell today. No legacy. But here you got a man called Cornelius a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He's a Gentile, he's a Roman. We could say he's a Roman Catholic, but of course he's not. But he's got that Gentile background. On top of that, it says in verse two, a devout man, positive, and one that feared God, positive, with all his house, positive, which gave much alms to the people, positive, and prayed to God always, Always praying to God. Please excuse the, uh, the road cleaner. <laughs> this man is remarkable. He puts many of us to shame. And I was reading this a few nights ago, thinking to myself, how to profile uh, Cornelius, how to understand him. He was uh, worthy of being put into the scripture. And yet the Cornelius that I knew many years ago, an Irish drunk who lost his uh, wife and children in a house fire, I do believe, was homeless, lost his mind basically, was always intoxicated and real, a real nuisance during mass. He'd walk into the church, start shouting from the back of the church. Everybody would turn around, oh, it's Cornelius. 
and you go down to the hospital every night to have his stomach pumped to uh, receive medication for this and for that he was a real nuisance of course the hospitals were also warm at night like during this time of the year so he wanted a bed for the night the priests got fed up with him they would give him money to their shame so he'd go out and buy more alcohol but he's gone down in history i suppose as far as the church that i used to be a, a member of as one of the deplorables undesirables no doubt in hell today but he got a good man a roman centurion a devout man and one that feared god with all his house all of his house that's remarkable he's a gentile he's a roman gentile he's gone to israel he's been stationed in israel which wasn't unusual of course but he's gone native he has converted to judaism keep reading on verse 3 he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of god coming into him and saying unto him cornelius ninth hour of the day around 3 p.m the same time that christ would die on the cross my god my god why hast thou forsaken me and here he is praying and he's privy to a vision and when he looked on him he was afraid and said what is it lord and he said unto him thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before god you've been praying cornelius for a long period of time almighty god has seen you praying for a long period of time you fear god so does your house you love the lord so does your house you give much arms to the people you have a good reputation in your community i also wonder what his uh, peers would have made of cornelius most uh, roman soldiers back in the first century are pretty godless like most soldiers today are pretty godless and this guy not only goes to israel with his men of course israel was occupied going back to 26 uh bc when julius caesar i think arrived in uh israel went into the holy of holies and of course ripped it down uh from 26 uh, bc up until 400 AD or thereabouts the romans had a real grip on israel and he goes to israel with his men and he hears probably rabbis preaching or he goes to the temple which was one of the seven wonders of the world and he's blown away look at verse 5 and now cemented joppa and call for one simon whose surname is peter he lodgeth with one simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do joppa if you think of jonah uh, he was uh, trying to flee from the lord in the joppa region trying to get away from the lord and the lord was saying to uh, jonah i got a job for you jonah you're going to preach to the gentiles and uh, jonah said no way lord i hate the gentiles i'm a proud jew i keep the uh, the torah i'm very proud of my heritage like the church of rome i'm a good catholic they say i go to mass every day they say i pray to the blessed virgin mary every day they say i want to i don't want to preach to those gentiles in uh, uh nineveh pagan savages who worship stones and trees and have statues all over the place like the church of rome have statues all over the place i'm a good monotheist unlike the catholics who pray to statues and pray to uh dead people and call the departed uh saints and the lord said to Jonah, get yourself over to nineveh modern day iraq you preach to those gentiles and if you don't i'm going to destroy you and that fascinating two-way dialogue between jehovah and jonah uh, is just fascinating and i was able to post my jonah bible study this past week so watch it it's six and a half hours but here the angel says to cornelius uh, send men to joppa and call for one simon whose surname is peter he doesn't say he is the pope incidentally he says his name is simon whose surname is peter he lodgeth with one simon a tanner this guy uh, was a leather maker which for the jews would be abhorrent you mean they cut animals to pieces you mean they shred animals down you mean they take parts of the animal and turn it into like a leather sofa or leather shoes <coughs> of course for the jews to be affiliated to gentiles was bad enough but to be affiliated to gentiles who were doing such uh, to animals was uh, abhorrent so you see a shift is now taking place simon is very much like uh, jonah and of course uh, simon bar jonah is a good type of jonah back in the old testament he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do we appreciate cornelius the lord saying to him via the angel that you've been praying you've been fasting you've been on your knees 
you've got a good reputation, people all around you appreciate who you are, what you are. Uh, you've converted to Judaism, which is remarkable for a Roman uh, Gentile way back in the first century. Uh, but on top of that, you, put, you are putting the, uh, the Jews to shame. But there's something lacking in the life of Cornelius. 7. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants, and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. What must they have thought of this? They fought in battle with Cornelius. They've travelled all over the Roman Empire, no doubt. They've seen a huge shift, a huge change in the life of Cornelius. Uh, he put many Christians at shame. He prays, he fasts, he's given money away to the poor. The Jews think the world of him. I'm not sure that his uh, platoon thought the world of him, but his own household certainly do. He's been able to convert his whole household to Judaism. Remarkable. But there's still something lacking. Something isn't quite right. John down to verse 19. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. This starts, this chapter starts with an angel being dispatched to Cornelius to speak to him, to answer his prayer. Of course, this is way back in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, not the Acts of the Church, the Acts of the Apostles. This concerns the Apostles and some of their associates up until Acts chapter 7. God Almighty will be doing miracles all over Jerusalem because the Jews are entitled to a sign. But of course, once the Jews, under the orders of uh, Saul of Tarsus, once they executed Stephen, the Lord stops doing miracles in and around Jerusalem and he turns to the Gentiles. And as the Acts of the Apostles continues down the line and over the many years, the Lord starts to turn the tap off. The sign gifts start to recede, they start to decline, because of course the Word of God is our final authority, not signs and wonders. But you're way back to around probably 40 AD or thereabouts, I've got a date in my Bible here what the year would be, but uh, there's no New Testament written yet, I don't think so anyway. And of course the Apostles here under the uh, leadership of uh, Simon is uh, called to see uh, Cornelius to articulate the gospel to him because as of yet the gospel hasn't been written but like I said it starts off with Cornelius being allowed to see a vision of an angel and verse 19 it says while Peter thought on the vision like uh, rise Peter kill and eat uh, what I now call common uh, isn't uncommon you can eat whatever you want to now Peter for many a year if a Jew would eat a pig it would be considered sacrilege going back to the devil-possessed video that we did a few weeks ago. Can Christians be devil-possessed? Uh, what was the background to the Lord allowing 2,000 pigs to rush down into the steep uh, slope into the River Galilee and of course perish? And I worked out that 2,000 pigs uh, by today's money is around £450,000. An absolute fortune. So the Lord is working on uh, Peter. He's breaking him down. Peter was saved but he was a self-righteous Jew. Jonah was saved, but he was a self-righteous Jew. Jonah was forced to go to the Ninevites, and Simon Peter is being forced to witness to Cornelius, to open his mouth to a Gentile. Many times people say this, they say this is the first time that a Gentile was saved in the book of Acts. That is incorrect. I've heard so many preachers over the years say that. The first Gentile in the book of Acts to be converted was the Ethiopian eunuch. You've got three groups of people in the book of Acts who get saved. You've got the Ethiopian eunuch uh, from Ham, of course. You've got Saul of Tarsus uh, from Shem, of course. And here you've got Cornelius uh, from Japheth, of course. Chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, within three chapters, a black man gets saved, a Shemite gets saved, a Gentile gets saved, a Caucasian gets saved. But I'm also interested in the fact that the Spirit now appears in verse 19, whereas in verse uh, 3, an angel of God. It could be the angel of the Lord, perhaps, and a script with scripture. If it was the angel of the Lord, then of course it's deity. And verse 19, the Spirit, capital S, so it's the Holy Ghost, of course. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. These would be the men that Cornelius has sent to Simon Peter, 
because he knows something isn't quite right he's got a good relationship with jehovah he's praying every day like i say he's doing great things uh in and around his uh, community he may even be preaching judaism to his gentile friends but it's not enough there's still something lacking look at verse 20 arise therefore and get thee down and go with them doubting nothing for i have sent them he wants to reassure simon that all is well to be fair to simon your way back in the middle part to the book of acts or leading up to the middle part to the book of acts the early church were a persecuted people gentiles for the most part weren't particularly friendly to christians like today uh, as of right now the only people that can be uh, ridiculed online on television on the radio in public will be christians we are the only people left that you can make fun of our god is the only uh supreme personal being that you can ridicule you can't do it to anybody else you can't make fun of women anymore you can't make fun of homosexuals anymore or black people or asians or this or that group of people but you can make fun of christians you can make fun of god almighty a complete switch of course arise get are therefore down and go with them doubting nothing for i have sent them don't uh, worry simon but on top of that get yourself moving simon a gentle push a bit like the lord would have to push jonah uh, on more than one occasion but eventually jonah went down to the ninevites 40 days Nineveh shall be overthrown and much to his shock and horror they all repented and uh, perhaps peter in the back of his mind doesn't want to see a gentile at this point in peter's life become a christian because the jews are very protective over their jewish culture their jewish heritage catholics are very proud of their culture of their heritage they're very proud that they have only one pope only one uh college of cardinals uh only one catechism they are very proud of their uh church and only have one mary and so on and so forth but again they've got to check themselves just because you have groups of interests or issues in uh common just because on the surface you have a level of unity doesn't mean it is the truth of course the jews would say that abraham was their father they would say they were they were the disciples of moses and also but what about me he would say that moses wrote about me and he would say you don't believe me because you don't believe what uh, what moses wrote you give a moses lip service like the catholics they give their church lip service you may say to a catholic well do you believe in the lord jesus christ they will say yeah we believe in the uh apostles creed and start to recite the apostles creed and I like, to, I like to remind our catholic friends when they recite the apostles creed that nowhere in the apostles creed does it, does it say that jesus christ created everything it says god the father created everything but the word of god says how the son of god and also the holy ghost were part of the creation of the world i've got big problems with the apostles creed but so what if you believe in the apostles creed what does it prove nothing whatsoever would you believe in public what do you believe when you pray to the lord how do you articulate your faith what do you do with your belief in god almighty do you talk to god about men or do you talk to men about god it's easy to talk to god about men but it's not easy to talk to men about god and i've never to this day ever seen a catholic on television on the radio online in public ever get up and say unless you believe in the lord jesus christ you will perish upon death they don't believe that I was in a video to watch a few days ago of a catholic in rome of course their so-called eternal city only jerusalem is the eternal city revelation 18 revelation 17 god will destroy rome at the second advent of course and i was sent this video to watch of a catholic in uh, rome reporting for a catholic news channel please excuse the flies uh, a very self-righteous catholic a fundamentalist catholic uh, worshipping the liturgy worshipping mary worshipping the church of rome and he spent maybe five or six minutes attacking christianity biblical christians protestants bible believers ex-catholics like myself and i thought he's scared of us he didn't go after the jews or the muslims or the freemasons or the darwinists he went after christians and i thought very telling a future project of mine will be to do a video maybe from the open air pulpit or maybe a short documentary i don't know there's a famous jew on youtube and i like to watch some of his videos I haven't seen him lately i must admit but i watched maybe four or five of his videos year before last 
a very popular Jewish character on YouTube and he made a video not long ago where he was attacking the King James Bible. I went into his channel, just started to skim through the videos and I didn't need to spend very long going through his channel but I realized within about two or three minutes that his ministry is an attack ministry. He goes after Christians. He is attacking Jesus like the Catholics attack Christ. This Jew attacks Jesus as the Messiah. Catholics attack Christ and his finished work on the cross. Catholics will attack ex-Catholics like myself and this Jew will attack Jews who have converted to Judaism. Excuse me, have converted out of Judaism, I should say, into Christianity. And I thought these two ministries, pretty big ministries, tens of thousands of subscribers, very wealthy ministries. On the one hand, this Jew is attacking saved Jews, attacking Christianity, and you've got the Catholics going after people like myself, uh, attacking Catholics who come out of the Church of Rome. I thought, isn't that interesting? Both of these ministries are on the defensive, not on the offensive. Most of my videos, incidentally, if you are new to this channel, most of my videos have nothing to do with the Church of Rome. I've got over 1,200 videos on three channels. Most of my videos are about the Bible. How to understand it, what does it mean, how do we live what is in this book, how do we share the Gospel, who is God, what is God, how to defend the Gospel. I think maybe only a third of my videos uh, concern the Church of Rome. I don't spend much, much time attacking the Church of Rome, although sometimes I do, because they attack me. They attack my beliefs, they attack my book, they attack the true Church. So to see Jews attacking Jesus and Catholics attacking Christ and his finished work on the cross is uh, very telling indeed. 21. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause? Wherefore ye are come. He's also somewhat abrupt, Simon, a bit like Jonah. And he would go down to Nineveh and he would be complaining all, all, all the way down to uh, Nineveh. And he'd get down to there and he'd preach to the king and all the people. And he would pick him a high spot like this. And he'd watch and wait, hope that fire would come down from heaven like these sons of Zebedee wanted to do back in, uh, was it Luke chapter 9, when the Samaritans wouldn't receive him. And after watching for a period of time, he saw them repent, put on sackcloth and ashes. He was beside himself. And here Simon is somewhat bemused, I suppose, that three Gentiles have been sent to see him. He was told time after time that Jesus came for the Jew and the Gentile. John chapter 10, I have other sheep that are not yet of this fold. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. He knew all, all along what the gospel was all about. But he's proudful, he's prideful. He's like a good old Catholic. Holy Mother Church says this, Holy Mother Church says that. Where do you get your authority from? You're an ex-Catholic, so on and so forth. Do you know something? In John's Gospel, the Pharisees came to John the Baptist and they asked him, Who are you? Where did you come from? Where do you get your authority from? And never once did he answer that question. Did you notice that? From memory, around John chapter 5, he tells his audience, not the Pharisees, where he came from what his ministry is all about. He didn't have to answer their questions because as far as John was concerned, the Pharisees had no authority to ask him where he got his authority from. So when Catholics say, where do you get your authority from, James? I don't think you have any authority to ask me where I get my authority from. Because like John looked at the Pharisees as being <coughs> not of the Lord, I look at Catholics as being not of the Lord. And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good reports, among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. They are almost mirroring the earlier verses about him being a just man, a good man, a devout man, a devout man, a passionate man. I mean, it must be very difficult for Cornelius. He becomes a Jew. There's now only one God in his house. He was raised to believe in probably Zeus and Jupiter and Mercury and he was led to believe that the Roman emperors were deities like the uh, Dalai Lama sees himself as being a uh, being deity and Catholics see their dead saints not as being deity but they believe that when they pray to their dead saints they can be heard and that their dead saints will answer their prayers and Cornelius from uh, uh, Jephth, Jephth, Jephthah of course uh, Japheth of course uh, so has has uh, had his whole world turned upside down.
And again, he's got his men saying uh, the truth about him. He fears God. He's a just man, a good port among all the nation of the Jews. He's known by the Jews. Was warned of, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Go to John chapter 6. More Catholics have gone to hell and will go to hell for misinterpreting John chapter 6 and probably any other passage in scripture. Maybe thou art Peter and upon this rock will I build my church. That may be another one that they misinterpret and go to hell trusting in Peter as a so-called Pope. And then later on in uh, Matthew 16 he says to, uh, Jesus says to uh, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, uh, but that be of men. Within a few verses, he's uh, speaking to the devil, who's speaking through Simon Peter. John chapter 6, John chapter 6, the Calvinists also break their neck in this piece of scripture. Uh, there's probably three parts of scripture where people really get uh, messed up in. Probably uh, Acts chapter 2, repent, be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins. That won't save you, of course. There's no blood atonement found in Acts chapter 2. John 6, the Calvinists say, you can't come to the Lord unless he draws you to him. And yet Song of Solomon says, you can pray to be drawn. And of course, John 12 says how the Lord has drawn all men unto him. People say, we well, can't believe unless the Lord grants you repentance. Well, of course, Acts 5 tells you that so the Jew has been granted repentance. And Acts 11 says how the Gentile has been granted repentance. So many passages which are going to destroy people. Eternal tears. People weeping at the judgment seat, but more worryingly, uh, weeping, crying at the great white throne judgment. But I sent people to you, the Lord will say. I gave you the word of God. I gave you an inbuilt conscience. You were able to study this. You were able to study that. But you chose the words of men over the words of the Lord. John 6, John 6, verse 63, Jesus Christ speaking. It is a spirit that quickeneth, the Holy Ghost that quickeneth. Not you, not I, not your church, not my church. It is the spirit, the Holy Ghost that quickeneth, makes you alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. That's a body blow to the church of Rome. Because they really do believe that when the priest holds up the wafer, that bit of uh, bread, that wafer, is now consecrated, they do believe, and it becomes the literal body of Christ. Body, soul and spirit. And on top of that, when they drink the wine, they do believe that becomes the literal blood of Christ. It is a spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words are alive. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The just should live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. It is a spirit that quickeneth, the Holy Ghost that quickeneth, regenerates, makes you alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirits and they are life. Go back to Acts chapter 10. So like I said a few minutes ago, around this time in the Acts of the Apostles, there's no New Testament written. It's possible... But unlikely but it's possible that matthew's gospel was written it's possible that james's five chapter epistle has been written but unlikely the apostles are going by old testament revelation and of course progressive revelation and that's one of the reasons why uh, the jews are told not to forsake the assembling of themselves together because their leaders were still receiving revelation of course once new testament uh, was completed this is all you would need to know the mind of the lord Send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. In other words, go and see Simon Peter. Let him explain the gospel to you. What you've been doing up until this point in time is all very commendable. Praying, fasting, observing the Torah, being a good Jew, as it were, following the rituals, the Torah, abstaining from unclean animals, Leviticus chapter 11. But it's still not enough. Cornelius, it's not enough. Something is still lacking. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So Simon has met these men. A conversation or two has been exchanged. Simon is going to go and see Cornelius. 
this Roman officer, and he's got some of his own people who are going to go with Simon to accompany him. They're probably curious about these Gentiles that have travelled to see Simon. On top of that, they've been sent by a Roman, a Gentile, from Japheth, who's now a Jew. Could this be possible? And on the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, whom do men say that I am? And they would say to the Lord Jesus Christ, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah, some say you are Jeremiah, so one of the prophets. But whom do ye say that I am? And all Simon says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And the Lord starts to commend Peter for making such a wonderful public statement. Of course, he wasn't the first to acknowledge the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was probably the first. Then it would be Nathaniel, uh, perhaps... Uh, Mary and Martha, and then down the line, uh, the Apostle Peter, of course. 24. And Cornelius waited for them, and called together his kinsmen and his near friends. This must have been a huge event for Cornelius. A really exciting moment in his life. He doesn't quite know what Simon is going to say to him. He may have known of Simon Peter. He may have known about the Lord Jesus Christ. I guess they all knew about the crucifixion, but he doesn't know the gospel. He's not yet saved. That's the whole point. He's not yet saved. He's praying, he's fasting, he's doing this, he's doing that, like Muslims do, like Catholics do, like Protestants do, like Hindus and Sikhs and most theists do, but it's not enough. All those religions and all their good works are commendable. Well, their good works are commendable, but their religion would not be if it's not based on a blood atonement. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Like Nebuchadnezzar would do to Daniel. Like uh, Daniel would do to uh, John. John would do to Daniel in the book of Revelation. And uh, Daniel uh, castigates John for doing it. And yet when Nebuchadnezzar does it to uh, Daniel, nothing is said. That would be, of course, uh, Daniel's old nature. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. Incredible. You go to Rome today, meet the Pope or any Pope. If you don't bow down to him, <coughs> if you don't kiss his hands or kiss his feet or call him Holy Father, if you don't give him the respect, uh, you'll be considered to be uh, guilty of uh, sacrilege. They expect you to pay homage to the Pope. <coughs> Stand up, I myself also am a man. Cornelius is overcome with himself. He's seen an angel for the first time in his life. That was quite remarkable. He was fearful, verse 4, which is quite understandable. And he's been told to send for Simon, who's now arrived. <coughs> and uh, as he walks into the room, he falls down and he worships. Simon Peter, how embarrassing. But Peter took him up also. Excuse me, but Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man, I'm a sinner, just like you are, Cornelius. And he talked with him, he went in, and found many that would come together. A whole audience are present, waiting for Simon to arrive, to hear what the gospel is, to hear it from the horse's mouth, as it were. This is a great picture of uh, sharing Christianity with those all around you, not... Catholicism, not Christendom, but Biblical Christianity. 28. And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for man, that is a Jew, to keep company, or to come unto one of another nation. He's still self-righteous. He's still blowing his trumpet. Pre-Vatican II, in fact, even after Vatican II, <coughs> if you were a Roman Catholic, and one of your children married outside of the Church of Rome and you wanted to go to the wedding of such uh, a ceremony you had to get a dispensation from your bishop and uh, I remember years ago being told a story about a wedding that took place back in the 70s in this country and uh, somebody went to this wedding an elderly Catholic lady and before she went with her husband of course is also a Roman Catholic I should say she had to get permission from her bishop because one of her children was marrying outside of a Catholic church. 
Why would that be, you asked? Well, the Church of Rome didn't recognise it as being valid. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. That took quite a push for Simon to say. He, would, he may not necessarily agree with it in his heart. He's been a bit uh, uh, coy about it, I suppose. In Genesis, uh, make that, make that uh, Galatians chapter 2. In uh, Galatians chapter 2, he gets caught up with this... Uh, Jewish problem again and it says how some came down from James and uh, when Paul heard, uh, Peter heard they were coming down from James Peter started to sit with the Jews would shun the Gentiles Barnabas got caught up we call this double separation uh, basically being snooty but also being uh, guilty of heresy like the Jews are superior to the Gentiles not in this dispensation they're not uh, when a Jew gets saved when a Gentile gets saved uh, there's, no, there's neither Jew nor Gentile uh, in the body of Christ, male or female, we are all one in Christ, of course. Ye know how that it, uh, ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for man, that is a Jew, to keep company or come unto one of another nation. That was true up until this time. And yet like Jonah, who was forced to preach to the Ninevites, Simon is also having his arm twisted to go to the Gentiles. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Of course, later on in the book of Revelation, it speaks about those who are unclean outside of the city, like New Jerusalem. Therefore came, therefore came I unto you without gainsaying. As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore, for what intent you have sent for me? Three times he asked this question. Why am I here? Who are you? What's this all about? So I'm a Jew. I'm a member of the chosen race we've got history we have heritage basically just to be in your presence could cause me some major problems 30 and Cornelius said four days ago I was fasting until this hour and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house and behold a man stood before me in bright clothing I said Cornelius thy prayer is heard and thine arms are had in remembrance in the sight of God he repeats the earlier verses just to lay the foundation as to who he is and why he is now needing to hear uh, from Peter the words of the Lord <coughs> and it must have been fascinating for Simon to hear this a Gentile a Roman Gentile a Roman centurion a Roman proselyte to Judaism Peter's got his men present Cornelius has his men present and of course this is a coming together of Jew and Gentile to become the body of Christ of course go down to verse uh, 34 then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Well, be careful with that verse. Universalists like to use that verse to suggest that if you are good, <coughs> quote-unquote, if you are holy, quote-unquote, that uh, you're good to go. But of course not. If that was the case, then Simon wouldn't be needing to preach. <coughs> Excuse me to Cornelius all that means is that if a man fears God and works righteousness a door is now opened between heaven and earth and of course Christ is the door and at that time when that takes place the Lord will send somebody to explain the gospel of course 36 the word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ he is Lord of all he still got Israel in mind He's still in Jerusalem, of course, Caesarea Philippi. He's in the area of Israel, <coughs> Israel's jurisdiction. As of this point, the church is still preaching primarily in and around Israel. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Amen indeed, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, God of Gods. That word I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee, after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed with the devil, for God was with him. He's now going to start to give a presentation of the life ministry of the Messiah. Are we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. It's possible, some didn't know this, but probably unlikely, as he was hanging on a tree. A metaphor for a cursed death there was pitch black 
for a period of time. An earthquake took place, the temple was damaged, the veil was ripped in two, bodies were resurrected, walked around the holy city for a period of time, uh, Matthew 27. So I guess this was not done in a, in a corner, as it were, but he had to explain the whole purpose to this, of course. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with them, excuse me, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Only the church got to see the resurrected Christ. Only the church will see the return of the resurrected Christ. As he goes up, so he'll come back down. Luke, I mean, the Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. The spirit quickeneth, the flesh profits nothing. It is he, a person, not a place, which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead, to bring alive those that are dead physically at the uh, resurrection and those who are yet to be regenerated to be made alive. Our salvation is based on a person, not a place. 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin, salvation. This is what it's all about, Cornelius. You've been praying, you've been fasting, you have a good testimony, people applaud you, you're very popular, very respectful, you no longer uh, curse, swear, blaspheme, you don't drink anymore, you don't uh, do drugs, you don't smoke, you don't sleep around, you have a very clean testimony, remarkable man, in fact, you called it about man, but you're still lost, you're still lost, Cornelius, still lost. Millions of Catholics all over the world, they pray, they fast, some don't drink, some don't smoke, they go to Mass regularly, they give money to the poor, they pray and they pray and they pray, but they're lost, they're lost. Eternal tears, Matthew 7, 21 to 23, Lord, Lord, we did many wonderful works in your presence. We cast out devils, we prophesied, never saved to begin with. And the Lord said, I never knew you, depart me, you workers of iniquity. To him, Jesus, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever, Jew or Gentile, male or female, black or white, young or old, married or unmarried, employed or unemployed, makes no difference. Whosoever believeth, no works, no church attendance, no tithing, no speaking in tongues. Whosoever believeth, shall receive, present tense, remission of sins, forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel. If you believe, you are saved. Remission, uh, forgiveness of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Going back to John 6, the words are spirit and life. There is life in the word of God. The Bible will cut you. It will also console you. It will uh, heal you. It will hurt you. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, those who went with Simon, of course, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles, Cornelius and co, also has poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost, scripture, scripture, is a new birth, of course. For by grace you saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of yourselves. It is the gift, the gift, the gift of God. But here, because Cornelius technically is a Jew, as a proselyte, he gets an additional blessing. 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost, as well as we. They've received it, they believed it. Peter got it right, they're just as saved as we are, i.e. Jews. They're speaking in tongues, like we would do, day of Pentecost. Day of Pentecost, you've got 11 languages from memory, known languages, not gibberish, not a prayer language. And it's obvious to me that uh, Cornelius and co, their tongues will be known languages, 
It's also possible that the Jews who went with Simon would have understood exactly what they were saying. For they heard them speak with tongues, known languages, and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? John's men got baptized. The apostles were baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Name of the Lord. Go to Matthew 28. Uh, there's one term, one title, that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all enjoy. And of course that uh, term, that title, which the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all enjoy, will be Lord. Uh, the Lord's Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is that Lord. And of course, uh, Lord being Jehovah, being the Father, of course. Matthew 28. Beautiful morning. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So Father, Son, and Spirit, three distinct persons, uh, one God, but three in person, and they all share one title, Lord, as I say. Cornelius and his men have been baptized in the name of the Lord. Not the same as what you find back in Acts uh, chapter 2, where the Jews say, what can we do? And uh, Peter says to, uh, to repent and baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. doesn't say that. For the mission of sins, that's similar, of course, but not quite the same. And you should receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But of course, in Acts 10, they're being baptized in the name of the Lord. And I would suggest that this is a Trinitarian bless, uh, blessing and a Trinitarian baptism. But these verses all point to one pretty powerful fact that without the new birth, you're lost. If you needed any more evidence about getting the gospel out to religious people, you just read it this morning with me from the open air pulpit. Until he heard the gospel, until he believed the gospel, until he received the gospel, no works involved at all. He wasn't saved. He was lost. And that's devastating for those people who are very religious all over the world, who have a witness, who have a testimony, who are thought very highly of in their communities. On top of that, Cornelius, uh, his prayers were being heard. And the Lord was uh, opening a door for Cornelius to go on to be saved. But he could have rejected that, uh, Cornelius. I mean, he could have said to the Lord, I'm not going to go to Simon Peter's house. You know, I don't become a Christian and be an outlaw and be laughed at. I want to stay a Jew. And of course, had he not gone to see Simon, and had Simon not gone to see Cornelius, but had Cornelius not gone to see Simon, more specifically, had he remained stiff-necked, a proud Jew, like many Catholics, won't bend the knee to the finished work of Christ, won't put their faith in what Christ has done for them, won't check the scriptures to be sure what they have is even... Uh, on par or is even legitimate in the first place until you come to the point of trusting Christ completely and unequivocally to save you you're lost and the church of Rome are wonderful examples of Cornelius many are very religious very righteous the JWs are the same very pious people no television very rarely surf the net don't drink don't smoke don't do drugs very clean people the men always shave, the women wear long dresses, dress very conservatively, spend all their free time at Kingdom Hall, or going door to door, or they would do before COVID-19. Decent people, upright people, clean people, but they're lost. Catholics are lost. Protestants, High Anglican Church, lost. The uh, Tridentine Mass, the worship of the Mass, they're lost. Lost. All lost. They haven't received the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, in the Church of Rome, if you receive the gospel of Christ's finished work on the cross, you are anathema. You are cursed. Your own church puts a curse on you. And that's why I think many people, when they die, many religious people, righteous people, decent people, not all 
pedophiles, not all murderers, not all thieves and robbers are going to be in hell. Some of those guys are going to get saved. And over the years I've spoken about many people from World War II and even more recently some serial killers like San, uh, Son of Sam and other infamous people have gone on to be born again before they died. It does happen of course. They're the easier ones to reach. In some ways they're easier to reach. They're not so self-righteous. But when you, when you are in love with your religion, in love with the liturgy, uh, the liturgy in love with Mary, Mother Mary, and uh, in love with the priest system and uh, the Eucharist, they adore the Eucharist, the Catholics, they adore it. That becomes your idol, that becomes your religion, and of course there'll be tears in heaven, eternal tears. People crying, weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth, why are we here? We were good people. We kept the Ten Commandments, or so they believed. Went to Mass every Sunday, and they probably did. But they weren't saved. They were lost. Also note from uh, 47 and 48, this crowd believe the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. They got saved by believing. And on top of that, yes, they would speak in tongues because they were Jews. They were proselytes. And of course, a Jew is entitled to receive uh, a sign to affirm that the Lord is working in such uh, a community. But also note that the moment they were saved, they got baptized. Now, most churches today, including the Church of Rome, will make you wait months and months and months before they baptize you. But here, they, got, they get baptized straight away in water, total immersion, in the name of the Lord, Father, Son, and Spirit, so I do believe. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Well, of course, they want to spend time with Peter. Nothing wrong with that, of course. Uh, he got them saved, basically, and baptized them, no doubt. They wanted to spend time talking more about the Lord Jesus Christ, opening up the Old Testament. And Cornelius, a remarkable man, he starts off righteous, but now he's redeemed. He starts off righteous, but now he's regenerate. He's been regenerated. He's now born again. But he could have missed it. He could have turned the Lord down. Could have been a stiff-necked person. Uh, Pilate, I guess, was religious. Herod was religious. Pharaoh was religious. But of course, Pharaoh died and went to hell. Herod died and went to hell. Pilate died and went to hell. Eternal tears. Eternal tears. But it could have been so easily avoided had those three guys bent the knee received jehovah's free gift of everlasting life and put their faith in the finished work of the lord jesus christ so i hope this has been of some help to catholics specifically jews can also be very self-righteous we've spoken about jonah this morning and simon son of jonah to self-righteous jews both saved of course both stubborn uh, strong-willed stiff-necked but it's very difficult, I think, and I will say this one last time, it's very difficult when you have a system in place which does something for you. You know, it feeds your uh, flesh, as it were, gives you a sense of importance. But guys like Cornelius, that alcoholic, homeless character I spoke about a little while ago, guys like him are more likely to get saved than the priests and the bishops because they've got a, they've got a level of uh, standing in their community. They are looked up to. They have authority. But in the eyes of the Lord, they are nothing. They are nobody. So watch out for those who you know, being very religious, uh, very self-righteous. More interested in the liturgy than the Lord. More interested in, in uh, church than Christ. Uh, more interested in uh, religion than uh, relationship. And again, Matthew 7, 21 to 23 is just damning about those who think they were saved but were never saved to begin with once you've received him you're born again and once you're born again share the gospel uh, but also be mindful that people will come to the lord uh, different ways over different periods of time obviously but all that praying all that fasting all the good works this that having a good testimony being well received in your community it means nothing whatsoever without a blood atonement and once it was presented to Cornelius, he believed it. His men believed it also. Don't overlook that. As it says in verse 46. For they heard them, not just him, them speak with tongues. 
So he really has, he has a remarkable testimony, Cornelius. He starts off bringing his whole family, his whole house, uh, to the Lord. 10-2, on the road to being saved by the Lord. 10-2, it starts with his family, all fearing the Lord, believing in the Lord, but not yet saved. And it ends with uh, Cornelius being saved, along with all his family, or those of his household, I should say more specifically, his servants, and those that he lived with, and how they all spoke with tongues, the men, not the women, no languages, not learned behavior, like I say. And when Peter sees what's taking place, he says, let's baptize the guy, let's baptize him, let's baptize his men. They are just as saved as we are. Uh, but he could have resisted it. He could have been a stiff-necked, self-righteous Catholic, a stiff-necked, self-righteous Jew, and said, no, we will do it our own way. We will trust in the five pillars of Islam. We will keep the Catholic catechism. We will keep the golden rule and uh, be good church people. And of course, they'll find themselves in that broad, wide road to destruction. Eternal tears, weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth. Why are we here? This is a horrible place. Again, not all people that go to hell were wicked, deplorable, uh, revolting people. A lot of good, decent, uh, righteous people in hell who lived pretty good, clean lives, but they were lust. They wouldn't receive what Christ has done for them. They wouldn't take his payment, his eternal payment. Hebrews 10, he dies once for the sins of the world. He doesn't keep dying week after week when the priest offers him up on the altar. And that's the difference between Roman Catholicism and biblical Christianity. We know we are saved, they do not. We have a high priest, they have priests. We have a place in heaven, they are hoping for a place in heaven. We can sit back and relax where they are working to be saved. There's a vast difference between biblical Christianity and Roman Catholicism. And I'll finish there on that statement and wish you peace and joy in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.